0: Please listen carefully. And now, live from the aquarium in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming
1: Positions Podcast featuring two guys napping in a Wookiee's lap, Kevin and Mikey.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions podcast. Kevin over here.
1: And Mikey over here.
0: And today on the podcast, we are continuing our series called Star Wars All-Stars.
1: It's our favorite. All the All-Stars from Star Wars that we love.
0: Sort of, in a way. Okay. Uh, because we are challenging ourselves to pick secondary and tertiary characters for our All-Star crew. Yeah. So usually when we do an uh, All-Star crew, we uh, we pick archetypes and find fictional characters to fit in that archetype. What have we done it before with, Mikey?
1: Uh, we did a sci-fi build a ship crew. We've done build a sitcom family. We've done build a D&D adventure party.
0: Yeah, so we find archetypes that will fit in there in fiction, sometimes even real life, and throw them in there. This time we're doing something a little different on the suggestion of Dot Scott, our producer. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually going through different media of Star Wars, meaning the books video games, uh each version of the movies as far as like the sequel trilogy, the prequel trilogy, and we're picking one character out of there that we want to be on our team. And then at the end, we're going to pick a ship that they're all on, Mm -hmm. and then we're going to pick the villain that they're fighting. So it's all-stars. And we kind of challenge ourselves not to pick the main characters because it's too easy. That's what children do.
1: It's it's the (laughs) default. You know they're the stars. They're the main characters for a reason. So obviously they're everybody's first pick, but if you can't pick those, who else do you pick? And we're highlighting the. I guess the unsung heroes of Star Wars, maybe?
0: Yeah, this one might have sung heroes for me because today we're doing the original trilogy. <laughs> yeah. And it's the one I grew up with. And it's the one that has the longest pedigree. So even a lot of the tech- secondary and tertiary characters have been so fleshed out over the years yes, that they're well-known. So
1: This is what started um, it all.
0: Yeah, it's what started it all. And I'm doing this with no notes at all because this is my Star Wars.
1: It's part of your DNA. It's ingrained in you.
0: Yes, it is. So Mikey is going to go first. We didn't even flip the coin this time. I just decided to go ahead and go. (laughs) I don't want your crooked coin out any longer. Fair enough. I'll take it. Hey, I'm I'm
1: (laughs) happy to go first because you do all the setting up and it lets me check my notes for who I'm going to talk about for my third pick. So third picks are usually loosey-goosey and... To be up front right on the bat, I'm picking this character just based on how he looked. Because one of the things I love about Star Wars in general, but especially Star Wars, the original trilogy, is the creature alien design. Like, I can't stress that enough. I've talked about it probably every episode we've done about the Star Wars All-Stars. But that's ILM George Lucas magic is the way they did aliens and creatures. Yes, some of it was cast off, like whatever mask they had lying around, like the original alien Kevin was talking about. Mm-hmm. But for my third pick, I am picking Nien Numb. Yes. The creature that looks like a cross between a fish and a mouse. He has jowls. <laughs> it looks like he has two noses. He's, he's kind, yeah, he's kind of Akbar-ish in that he, he has a weird accent, but he's so memorable. You look at that guy and you're like, oh, that's an alien.
0: That's a beautiful description.
1: <laughs> he's a mouse fish. Uh, he's got big ears. I love it. But. Yeah, Nub no, is I didn't realize he had such such a rich backstory that he does. He's a member of the rebellion. He's an assistant and an aide to the Organa family. So like he's sort of upper echelon as far as B tier goes, but he is technically the alien name is a Cellistan. I don't know mm. where Cellus is. Couldn't point it out you, on the
0: You do know you do know where Cellus is. It's that lava E planet that you play on in Battlefront. Oh really? Yeah, that's Celest. Oh,
1: well, how does how does he come from a lava planet? I get it, but
0: does oh, those those jowls filter out the toxins or something? I don't know.
1: It, it makes so much sense. Uh, okay, you're making brain connections for me, and that, that's amazing. <laughs> so he is a Celestin from a lava planet with his with his filter gills, filter jowls. But he's a smuggler and an arms dealer. Like he is a bad guy that realized that. Oh, the Rebellion is the good guy, so let me join up with them and do something right. Uh, He's an expert pilot. He's essentially, I wanted to pick Chewbacca because Chewbacca is awesome, but I can't pick Chewbacca. So I go for Chewbacca's stand-in because uh, Nien Nub is essentially the co-pilot to Lando Calrissian when they're flying the Millennium Falcon. Mm Mm-hmm. But he just he, he he looks so cool. He he helps round up the Alderons after their planet blew up to help bring them all back together. Like I said, he helps out the uh, the organas. And then according to Admiral Akbar, Numb can fly anything in any conditions. I mean, we're talking about Wedge from the book, we're talking about Arvil Crinid, who was, you know, another pilot for the for the Green Squad. Nyan Nub fits in with that. He can fly anything. He can get the job done. He can get you where you need to be, and also maybe get you weapons along the way. Uh, Here's something I found in my research, though, and this is silly. The reason he has such a weird name, I have a hard time saying it every time I read it, Nyan Nub. (laughs) But they gave him that name, and this is so Star Wars, but they gave him that name because when they were getting, like, I guess the boxes of all the creature pieces and parts and all the masks and makeup, he was in creature box number nine. So he's Nyan Nub, number nine. (laughs) Until that's how they came up with this Star Wars name. I was like, that ah, makes sense. A little silly, but I kind of love it.
0: No, it's no so Star Wars. R2-D2 is real to <laughs> something to uh, something.
1: That's it. So, Nyan Nub, I love the way he looks, the creature design. He's one of the most memorable. Uh, he only surpassed by my second pick, which will come up in a minute. But when I think of Star Wars, he's one of the creatures that comes to my mind. I'm like, oh, that guy. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that guy's great. Nyan Nub. I can't even he doesn't speak basic
1: he doesn't he was he was half puppet for some of the movies and half actor for the rest of the movies so that
0: was great I love what the, that kind of combo thing so Jim Henson-y.
1: oh practical effects that's what made it so magical in the original trilogy
0: that's a great three pick like he could have been a two I don't know so my hardest my hardest thing with this one was I love too many characters. And so what I did, I told Mikey this, I based it on the action figures I played with the most yes. when I was a kid. So my number three pick is actually, I can't not put him on the list. It's a too obvious pick, but he's my favorite character and all of Star Wars. So he's getting on my list somewhere. But So he's going to three because it's a disqualification <laughs> pick. Not allowed. But my third pick has to be Han Solo because I play with his action figure the most because Han Solo is the best character in ever. Uh, (laughs) Here I turn into a child again. Uh, In the 80s, when we were kids, there was two kinds of Star Wars kids. There was the Luke kids, Mm -hmm. and there was the Han kids. Yes. And I was a Han kid, through and through, from the get-go. I mean, we filled out his whole backstory. Go watch Solo if you want to see that. But at the time, we didn't know anything about him, other than he was this smuggler who was, I mean... It's Harrison Ford in space, really, we come to find out. <laughs> you know? And he's like the coolest space cowboy anyone had ever seen. They tried to replicate him and rip him off so much. Mm-hmm. So many sci-fi failures trying to get that in the book. The closest they ever got was Dirk Benedict Starbuck from the Elser Galactica TV show. That's the closest they ever got. And that's mm-hmm. just because Dirk Benedict. But there's just so many MST3K movies where there's the Han Solo type in it played by someone who isn't Ares and Ford. So it doesn't work. Yep. Which is hilarious to me. And I would argue that Star Wars is what Star Wars is because Harrison Ford was there. No offense to Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, James Earl Jones, everyone else that was there. He had just that little magic sprinkle that was needed to just lift it above being a campy sci-fi movie.
1: He had the charm and the snark, yeah.
0: Yeah, he had that he is he's a Hollywood marquee actor, he became one. So That's the lightning in the ball that George Lucas got in casting him. He got the star top of the marquee name who was unknown at the time, but became who he did. I mean, he went on to be Indiana Jones and all these other things. If you don't know who Harrison Ford is, you're under a rock somewhere. (laughs) I'm sure he can't go anywhere in any country without someone knowing him from one of his roles. So when we play Star Wars, you know, you'd always argue there'd be the kids who want to be Luke, the kids who want to be Han. I always wanted to be Han. I never wanted to be Luke ever. No offense, Mark Hamill. I love you. I love what you've done, and Luke's great. But come on, he was cool, smarmy with that black vest and the low slung blaster. It was based off an old Mauser, so cool looking. And he like
1: yeah, he looked like an old West Clint Eastwood sort of like yeah, man, walking into any situation, being like you feel lucky, punk kind of stuff.
0: His best friend's a giant walking, talking dog, basically. <laughs> I mean, it's great, and uh, it's, it's, he, he was the coolest ever, and I'm of the shot first category, George Lucas, I don't, uh, don't listen to your children, George, what <laughs> the heck? Oh, my son asked me, why oh, oh, oh. Oh, don't do that, dude. So, <laughs> is that why you changed it, because his children wanted him to switch it up? It was something to do with, I swear, I hope <laughs> this is right. 'Cause like I said, I didn't I don't have a lot of notes on this because no. I just love the original trilogy so much. But I could swear, and hopefully this isn't just internet rumor, but I could swear that his kid asked him why Han blew Gerido away. Mm-hmm. Isn't he a good guy? But the point is the point is is that at that time he's really not a good guy. He's the whole point of the first movie is that he has a change of heart at some point, and he just rescued the princess to get the money. Then they're they're giving him the money. A lot of people don't realize this. I mean, watch the I've watched the movie so many times, but <laughs> he's loading up like big old cases of money onto his ship when yeah. they're getting ready to. That's what he's doing. He's, he's not just, helping he, with the war effort. No, he's loading he's, up. Yeah,
1: he's a smuggler. Guess, he's a criminal. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess people thought maybe it would be a digital transaction, but no, they gave him like boxes full of coins or whatever. I don't know what the heck it was. He's loading up the treasure and Luke's like, hey, can you help? And he's like, hey, I'm done, kid. See you later. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you know, I got a job to you're, finish,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, he's supposed to be a cad. And then he shows up and saves the day at the end. You know, his big old wahoo and there goes Vader spinning off and he clears Luke to do his shot. You know, and there we go. He's so awesome. Oh, I can't. If you guys don't know how awesome Han Solo is, what's the matter? Come on.
1: And his legacy continues because, like, the whole reason we have the sequels is because it's his son. It's, you know. I mean, we have Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, obviously. But, I mean, that's Harrison Ford continuing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, to me, he was always just the coolest. You wanted to be him. He gets the girl, charms the princess. It's He's just so cool. And then Harrison Ford brings it over to everything he does. So that's why we kind of learned that, oh, hey, that's just kind of him because I also love Indiana Jones just as much, you know, and get off my plane, anything, anything. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love you. I know. I mean, that's mm-hmm. iconic.
0: I know. And that was improv. I mean, wonderful.
1: <laughs> so it was the Indiana Jones shot where he pulled out his pistol because he had yeah. like food poisoning. I mean, they're just letting Harrison Ford be Harrison Ford movies. And this right. was the first of it. Oh, so great.
0: So too obvious, so he has to be my number three pick. It's too obvious. We put some limitations on it, but I can't not put Han Solo on this list. I had both heads The you know, there was a little head to Han Solo and a big head Han Solo action figure. <laughs> yep. I had both of them. I wish I knew that they were going to be valuable when I grew up. Who knows where they went? But that was always the first one I wanted was the Han Solo version of the action figure. So I had every yep. version of the Han Solo action figure and he was my most played with one, so, a, yeah Han Solo. That's Love such, him.
1: That's such a nerd rite of passage, though, because my brother had all the uh, Star Wars action figures like the original run as well, but my mom sold them off in a yard sale and, you know, disappeared, and then come to find out later, oh, they're worth a ton of money. I think that's Everybody that had the original action figures, there's some sort of like tale like that where it's like, oh, I didn't know they mm-hmm. were going to be so valuable.
0: Yeah, and the problem is is that now people know that, so they're not valuable. The new ones aren't. People collect the new ones, yeah. but there's too many of them and people are collecting them, so they become not valuable at all. So don't fall into that trap, people. Just buy the <laughs> stuff that you like, I guess, really, because it's probably not going to become anything like that again. The only way to get in on that is if something new comes out that hits big and then everyone forgets about and then the stuff that gets big again or something i don't know like it Mina just doesn't babies seem or
1: funko pops oh i mean no wait no oh
0: yeah no <laughs> things. one of those things turned out so yeah the same thing happens too is that the thing that happens with your action figures is that when you're a teenager you start getting that oh this is all kid stuff i'm a grown-up now yep so a lot of them got blown up with fireworks and stuff <laughs> You know it. You know it.
1: Yeah, it's it's laser blast. You gotta melt him with a lighter a little bit just to yeah. more damage. Oh, I believe. Yeah. It.
0: Anyway, Hansel, I had to mention him on the list.
1: But it ties perfectly into my second one because we we're talking about creatures. We we're talking about who shot first, but the other person that's a component in who shot first is the person being shot, and that's Greedo.
0: <sighs> oh,
1: the best accent. He sounds he looks like a giant fly slash mosquito with a <laughs> with a tapir, like nose, but his accent for being alien and robotics, he sounds like Italian mob or yakuza. Yeah. Like, even though it's yeah, an alien yeah. language, even though it's an alien language, you know he's a bad guy.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, that's one of my because of Han Solo. That's one of my other very most played with action figures i would recreate that scene so often
1: <laughs> that was his nemesis that was what he was there mm-hmm. for but grito is a male rhodian uh in the service of jabba the hut he's a bounty hunter he's going after he, he's just like han solo but never gets redeemed i guess so is the counterbalance to han solo in that he just wants to get the job done he's here to collect a paycheck doesn't really care he's happy to kill you or get your ship or do both but he's just, so, I, I was talking about how Nien Nub is so f- memorable just based on his creature design. Like, if you see Greedo, you know that's Greedo. There's no other Star Wars character like that. You're like, oh, that's Greedo. Especially when he shows up in the prequels. I i, I didn't pick him for the prequels, but I forgot that he shows up in the prequels as young Greedo, as a little kid. He even picks on Darth Vader, Anakin Skywalker.
0: Oh, is that supposed to be Greedo? That is Greedo. Really? I just thought it was a random Rodian kid.
1: According to to the internet, and I guess I don't know if it's canon that still survives the Banhammer, but that little Rodian boy that confronts Anakin after he wins and starts to fight with him, that's Greedo, which makes sense because (laughs) Greedo's always starting fights. He's like, Oh, my
0: gosh. That would explain why he's all up in with Jabba the Hutt. Exactly. he, He probably grew up a street rat. And got into gangs and then ended up in Jabba's gang.
1: I mean, he grew up on Tatooine and most Espa, so, like, no way he's going to be a a well-rounded individual Mm -hmm. after growing up there. Yeah. But I learned from my research, this is hilarious, I didn't know this was a thing, I think it takes place more in books, but apparently what Greedo was known for was bringing in bounties, like, to collect the money, right? Helping those people break out of whatever jail or prison they were in and then bringing them back to get the bounty hunter money again. Like, (laughs) repeatedly. Apparently, he did that to a Jawa, like, three times. It's uh, kind of a jerk move, but as far as a teammate goes, you want somebody that's that resourceful and efficient, you know, why get the money once when you can get the money three times? That's hilarious. Oh, it's so great. But it fits with Greedo, you know, trying to shoot first. He thinks he has the upper hand, but you already mentioned it. Han Solo is is the better of the two, and... Had his blaster ready to go under the table, and Han shot first, always and forever. Mm-hmm. Sorry, no, there's no argument. I, I I get the the fans that want Greedo to sort of have the edge, but Greedo's always been a bad shot. So no, man.
0: I I I really hope that at some point, like I don't know what kind of contract Lucas signed with Disney when he sold it, but I hope <laughs> at some point they'll be like, hey, here's the original cuts. Yes. But I don't know, George Lucas might have to like pass for them to do that or something. (laughs) Seriously. I believe he was kind of adamant that the movies as they are now are the movies that he always wanted. So and I mean, we're kind of getting to the Han Schaffer's debate on a thing about this. But hey, man, we're loosey goosey sometimes. But um, I kind of get it, though, as, as someone who went to art school and did art myself. You learn about these artists in history. And there are a number of these artistic geniuses that would have a painting or something that they couldn't stop messing with. Yep. And there's some of them that now that they can do those like scans on them and see the under layers of the painting, they'll find like five versions of the same painting under one thing because they kept messing with it. So I, can I keep mean, maybe it that's better. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's just crazy artistic genius. So he gave us these wonderful things. But because he's this crazy genius artist, we have to deal with him screwing around with it. I so, can make it
1: better. Just give me another try. Yeah. And another I, try. Think,
0: I think that that's what makes me... So Here, here's the perspective of an uh, evolved nerd yes. who's trying to keep positive with stuff. <laughs> that it, it, He only is messing with the stuff we love because of his genius. He can't not do that. There's a historical record of genius artists messing with their stuff.
1: Oh, absolutely. But yeah. isn't, isn't there some meta thing like the original trilogy, like the actual, in its original condition, no longer exists because it's just been like lost to time? Uh,
0: I, I mean, it's, it's somewhere. I mean, people had it on VHS tape, so it's out there and they've digitized it and you can find it online. Okay. But it's never been remastered, really. Got I think some fans have remastered it. You can find it. It's been done. But it's never been like officially remastered and put out by... Lucasfilm since VHS tapes existed. I don't think there was ever a DVD version of it. There may have been a Laserdisc version of it, probably. <laughs> so, if you find good copies online, they probably came off of the Laserdisc versions. Oh, I believe that. They uh, but they're out there. I mean, you can find it. You can find all kinds of crazy stuff on the internet. But they're not official. They're not real. And the ones that, the special editions are the real ones, uh, according to George. So, I don't know. I kind of think we're all adults and we could probably stand to have both of them in existence yes and be fine but whatever
1: <laughs> nope i want my og one i want where shot first and greedo dies even though Greedo's my second pick
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a great second pick i love greedo all right so continuing on with my i played with his action figures a lot my second pick and i'm also throwing some love i talked about this last episode i'm throwing love to a maligned group in Star Wars, very much like Jar Jar and the Gungans by a lot of people at the time. Mm-hmm. My second pick is Low Gray the Ewok from Bright Tree Village on Endor. The teddy bears? The Jedi. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the teddy bears. I love Return of the Jedi so much. I didn't realize even until I watched when my kids started getting of the age that they could understand Star Wars and we're watching through them and I'm watching Return of the Jedi and because in my everyone says Empire is the best one. It's kind of universally critics say Empire is the best one of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. So kind of in my brain, I was like, oh, yes, that is best one. And then when I was watching through them again with my kids and really paying attention because I wasn't just throwing them on for entertainment, I was like, oh, Return of the Jedi is the one that has like all my favorite lines in it. Yes. It has all my favorite parts in it. I was like, this movie is my movie. So That came out in 83. So I was like nine, I think. (laughs) Is that right? Is that how the math works? Yeah, I guess so. So it was like perfect time to show me teddy bears in space. I was all about it.
1: You were the prime demographic. Absolutely. Yes,
0: 100%. So, man, I love Ewok so much. I got the, and like I said, this is coming from action figure perspective. So bear with me here. (laughs) I got, I got, I, I was blessed enough to get the Ewok village playset. When I was a kid. Nice. So I had to get the Ewoks to fill it up because <laughs> uh, the action figures weren't included back then. So, you know, you get Wicket and you get Chief Chirpa, you get all of them that they had. But my favorite to play with was Low Gray, the medicine man. <laughs> and Low Gray is the striped tan and brown Ewok. He has vertical stripes going up him. Yeah, yeah. And he's got the cool bird skull, whatever thing on his head. And he's the medicine man. And it's kind of funny because in the movie, they're just kind of there doing stuff and they're Ewok talking to each other and you they're kind of pantomiming and you're not sure what's going on. Mm-hmm. But if you like actually look into it over the years, which I have, they kind of explain like what was going on with the motivations of all the Ewoks that were there, <laughs> which is kind of cool. But Logre was, he was the one who said, okay, so we have to, sacrifice these humans we captured to the gods. He was the one who was going to cook them, you know, because it's part of like their ceremony is sacrificial. You sacrifice them, and then you eat them, I guess. But they're and,
1: cannibals. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, he was the one who was like, oh, C-3PO is a god. So he was the one who was like, oh, no, we have to. He's obviously a god. I'm the medicine man. I'm the priest here. I know what's going on. The shaman, as he was. Yes. But he initially didn't want to help them out. He didn't want to help them. Attack the empire. He was like, "This isn't our fight. Yes. We're just up here in the trees, and everything's fine, and we don't have to worry about it." But Chief Chirpa kind of was like overruled him a little bit. But he was the voice of dissension, I guess. But then he eventually realized he was kind of moved by the fact that it seemed like this fight was uniting all of the Ewok tribes because they were in the Bright Tree Village tribe, and I don't know, I don't know what <laughs> the names of all the other tribes were, but.
1: I didn't even so, know there were different tribes of Ewoks. That's fascinating. Yeah,
0: there's yeah, there's different tribes of Ewoks, and apparently they were kind of at odds with each other, but they were brought together by the rebellion to fight against the Empire.
1: Oh, classic Star Wars! I love it.
0: Yeah, man, isn't it great? See, there's all this great story. So, <laughs> but like I said, the action figure I played with a lot out of all my Ewok action figures was Logre. He had the coolest headdress thing and all his like his bags and his like. This little staff with all the little trinkets and magical things—I don't know, whatever they were supposed to be.
1: Yeah, he's—he's the—he's the shaman. He's the medicine man, yeah. like you're saying, and he has all the accoutrements to it, which makes him the coolest looking Ewok ever.
0: Yeah, he's probably the coolest looking of the Ewoks. But I thought they were great man. I mean, it's so funny to me because I'm telling you, I remember, and this is where I speak good for the Ewoks because you're speaking good for the Gungans and yours. <laughs> yep. I specifically remember running into somebody. This was a kind of a a turning point also, too, because we talk a lot about my turn from the toxic worst episode ever nerd to trying to be a positive nerd and non-toxic and kind of part of our mission here at Assuming Position is to spread positivity and nerdery. Yes is I ran into when the when the Star Wars movies were coming back out, I think, maybe when the prequels were coming out, I can't remember the time, but I ran into a guy at a Boston Market restaurant. <laughs> he was one of the guys working there. And I think I had just gone to see one of the prequel movies and... You know how sometimes people randomly start conversations with you. So for some, I might have been wearing a Star Wars shirt. I don't remember. All (laughs) I know is he started talking to me about Star Wars, and I said I just went to go see the Star Wars movie, the new Star Wars movie, and then he was like, "Oh, he goes. I gave up on Star Wars back in. He was an older guy. Mm -hmm. I gave up on Star Wars back in '83 when they came out with that dumb movie with the teddy bears (laughs) in it. (laughs) And I was like, "Oh, but Ewoks are awesome, man. What are you talking about? And then I was like, "Oh. Oh no, that's how I act when people talk about the prequels. Yeah, I mean I was,
1: to be to be working at Boston Market and be so mad about Ewoks that you have to bring it up with customers—that that's, <laughs> that's a certain level of of toxic nerd. Absolutely, okay.
0: yeah. So I I guess that the Ewoks helped me accept people's love of the prequels. So there you go. I get it, but they're great. And man, if you haven't played when they came out with that Battlefront thing yes. with the Ewok, uh. What was that called exactly? I forget what it was called, but it was we just called it like Attack of the Murder Bears when we were playing it.
1: It, it, Yeah, Attack of the Murder Bears. I it's not Ewok Adventure because that's one of the like spin off specials, but I don't know what they call it in Battlefront. But you get to play as an Ewok. Like, it's great, and you get to go stealth mode and attack people. Like, ugh.
0: well, you either you're either playing as a stormtrooper who's getting attacked in the night by Ewoks, yeah, and you hear that horn go off, uh-huh. and you start freaking out, and the murder bears start coming out of the woods, yeah, or then you get switch over where you actually get to be an Ewok, which is so much fun. Oh, it's
1: great, you get to hunt down stormtroopers, yeah. There's the whole meta behind Ewoks is that, like. Yes, they're teddy bears, but like you were saying, they're cannibalistic. They had they had clothes for Princess Leia when she showed up. Yeah. And you're you're like, "Oh, cool, they have outfits for her." But if you think about that, if you go deep, you're like, "Why do they have leftover clothes from humans?"
0: Yeah. That they're technically not cannibals because they're not eating themselves.
1: Oh, well, true. But they're like, I mean, the people they capture, they're sacrificing and eating.
0: Yeah. Murder they're eating bears. sentient they're eating sentient beings. I guess that's <laughs> the thing.
1: It just seems so lighthearted. It's like, Princess Leia, we have an outfit just all ready for you. And then you're like, wait a minute. How do they come by that
0: outfit? (laughs) I know. It's great. I mean, I love it so much. I even had like, I had like the Ewoks color forms. I had the Ewoks Presto Magics. Do you remember Presto Magic? I do. For everyone who doesn't know, Presto Magic were this wonderful thing with this wonderful technology where you had a piece of paper (laughs) and you had this, um, it looked like they weren't stickers. It was like this clear piece of film that had all these basically they looked like stickers on it but what you did was you put it down on the piece of paper and you took a pencil and you rubbed really hard on top of it and then when you (laughs) lifted it off that little guy was on the piece of paper oh man
1: it was the same magic as like Shrinky Dings it's like how does this work thanks 80s technology
0: yeah it was great probably gonna get cancer from it but anyway (laughs)
1: Uh, Presto magic. Oh, I forgot all about those, but
0: yeah. Anyway. Logre the medicine man, the shaman. He is my number two pick. Yup nub to that.
1: I love it. But if that's your second pick, that means we had our final round. These are our official picks for the original trilogy, Star Wars All Stars. And I know we didn't I know we said we agreed we aren't gonna pick the A-list, and I'm gonna sort of cheat the rules and say this isn't really A-list because Even though this character is the hero and the actual narrator of all the Star Wars movies, he never gets recognition. But uh, I can't not pick my boy R2-D2.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he is kind of the icon of the entire series, really, and was done dirty in the sequels. But,
1: but, yes, for being the hero, he's always in the background. R2-D2, obviously, if you don't know who we're talking about then this episode probably isn't for you but he 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 is the 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 mechanic and pilot droid blue and white classic classic pattern that everybody recognizes
0: yeah hold on man if you're on it you probably find people on islands in polynesia who know who like you know who's this oh r2d2
1: yeah if you do that whistle or that scream, they'd be like i know that robot <laughs> but that's just it. Like he was played by Kenny Baker. Shout out to Kenny Baker, R. Mm. A. P. Wonderful job. Who was actually in that in the suit for the original trilogy in the droid. But R. Two D. Two doesn't get. He gets all of his dialogues as bleeps and bloops and whistles. Every time he's arguing with uh, C. Three P. O. Or Chewbacca or Luke, it's always just bleeps and whistles, and you never really un- they never subtitle what R. Two D. Two says.
0: Just because he swears a lot, that's why it's all bleeped out. <laughs> but.
1: But he's always saying the right thing, like with all the context, it's always like R two D two knows what he's talking about, and everybody seems mm-hmm. to be like, oh okay, sorry R two, or oh you're right R two, we should probably do this. It's like yeah, you should listen to him because he's the secret hero of Star Wars. He's like a James Bond. He's the spy that always makes things go right in the background, while while Luke or Anakin or Obi Wan or Princess Leia, they're they're doing all the A list main storyline stuff. R2-D2 is the one in the background that's always saving the day. But just just to run it down, I actually took note of this, but here's a list of all the times R2-D2 has saved the day throughout the entire series. In Episode 1, he repairs the shield generator for Amidala's ship, and he helps Anakin in his Naboo starfighter. Saves the day there. Episode 2, he picks up Obi-Wan's distress signal and saves Padme from the lava bucket. Episode 3, he repairs Anakin's Naboo ship again, He's the one that locates Palpatine and he takes out the battle droids with this cool little flamethrower oil like slick shoes sort of prank. But then we get to the original trilogy. He's the most key factor because he's entrusted with Princess Leia's message. He's the one that's in charge of finding Obi-Wan and delivering the Death Star plans. So the entire like storyline main battle relies on R2 and he does his job. It, it's not, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. It's, R2, make sure this gets done because you're actually my only hope. In episode 5, he's the one that creates the smokescreen diversions for the heroes to escape. He fixes the hyperdrive. He tosses Luke his lightsaber in the barge-sarlacc pit battle. The whole reason like Luke comes back in that in the battle and fake kicks the dude. Uh, oh, I wish I knew the character's name, but... It's such a classic outtake in Star Wars when Luke, Uh on the the barge battle... Force kick. Yeah, force kick. (laughs) He goes to kick the dude, and it's about a foot and a half away.
0: Yeah, he's the force. Come on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But the only reason Luke has his lightsaber in that battle is because of R2. And then in episode 6, talking about Ewoks and all that, he keeps saving his buddy uh, C-3PO. He's always there for him. He's the one that saves him from the Ewok trap, and C-3PO is the one that, like you're saying, convinces the Ewoks to join the battle all thanks to R2, because he saved him. So it's always in the background. It's always sort of secondary, but R2's the one that always... He's the mechanic droid that always fixes the situation and makes it happen, so I can't not pick R2. He's the best.
0: He is the best. And you just flushed, flooded memories with me with all that stuff, and that is when... Uh-huh. <laughs> The Return of the Jedi, like I said, I love that movie, but that whole thing where Luke is at the top of his powers and gets his new lightsaber from R2 and starts, you know, force kicking guys in the head and stuff. Yeah. That's that's where he starts to be, you start to be like, maybe he is just as cool as Han Solo. Yes. Yeah, you know, that's when you you start to get the kids who are like, I'm, let see, but I had all those years before that movie came out where. It was like, who do you want to be, Luke or Han? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't want to be the whiny farm boy. You know, but after Turn the Jedi, yeah, he was that was Luke at the height of his powers. That was awesome, Luke. Black suit Luke.
1: Yeah. But points to R2. He couldn't have done it without R2. He
0: couldn't do it without R2. This is a buddy.
1: R2 is the one that stops the trash compactor. And oh that's uh, so great. Anyway.
0: <laughs> so I have a similar like we said, it's hard with this these movies have been out for so long. That you even pick, like, a character like Greedo, and he's pretty well known. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you could even pick, like, Ponda Baba, the Walrus Man, and a lot of people know who that is <laughs> just because these movies have been out for song and so fleshed out. But my number one pick is kind of like your number one pick. People might be, that's a pretty major character, but he was meant to be a background character, and people just think he's major now because this one character, just because of how cool he looked, spawned. So much stuff, including the Mandalorian show that everyone loves. Right now, I am looking at one, two, three, four, five action figures in this room of this guy, all boxed. (laughs) (laughs) Nerd! (laughs) It is the one and only Boba Fett. One of my most played with action figures because Han Solo, it was Han Solo, Greedo, Boba Fett, and the Ewoks. Basically, that was happening. I had the other guys too, but... I mean, there was a lot of Han Solo fighting Boba Fett and Greedo teaming up together to get him. And of the, course, Chewbacca was there and everything. But
1: It was the cool guy club, yeah.
0: But man, from the time I was a kid, when you first see Boba Fett, and I obviously wasn't the only one. I think that Dave Filoni, John Favreau, all these guys were the same way when they first saw that cool Mandalorian armor that they had designed. Mm-hmm. When they're sitting there, all the bounty hunters are there showing up and we don't need their kind And, you know, you're looking at all the bounty hunters and they're all pretty cool looking. I mean, IG-88 was super cool looking, but there's just something about Boba Fett, just the way he looked. And, of course, he went on to be the one who completed the job. He was the effective bounty hunter. He got his man. You know, he's another one of the space Western characters in there. I guess I just like Westerns because... Han Solo is like the space cowboy, mm-hmm. and Boba Fett is the space bounty hunter. I mean, he is straight out of a spaghetti western, basically, in the way he looks, but sci-fied up. You know, he's a cross between a medieval knight and some somebody from the good, the bad, and the ugly. His gun might as well have a lever on it. Might as well be <laughs> a lever-action rifle. Uh, but uh, just in the great lines of, he's no good to me dead, you know, it just...
1: Right. <laughs> He, he, yeah, he has like maybe four lines of dialogue, but yeah. all his words are efficient because he's a man of man of business. Absolutely,
0: and he has that that slave one is like one of the coolest ships in Star Wars. Yeah. You know, you, you get in it like it's like it lands like on its back, or it's, and you get in it, and it has like a a spinny cockpit thing that evens out, so it can fly like it does, and so it can have all those big engines in the back to give it so much power. It's so cool. Of course. We know he got all, all later on it was retconned for all his stuff that came from his dad. Yeah. And which is fine. We know more about him now, but I'm talking about just like how I was kind of talking about the Han we knew at the time the movies came out. I'm talking about the Boba Fett I knew when these movies came out, mm-hmm. which we didn't know much about him. But that's the thing is you have to think of it in the perspective of the time. I mean, now we know so much. Now the Mandalorian is fleshed out. He was in the Mandalorian and the Prequels showed him as a kid, and then the Clone Wars series kind of fleshed out his backstory even more. So we know so much about him now. But at the time, all we knew was that is one cool looking bad guy. (laughs) Yeah, you know. And so I can't that if you're I'm picking an all star from the original trilogy, I can't not pick Boba Fett. I was a Boba Fett guy from the beginning. I have a old tattered. Boba Fett shirt that I bought probably like 20 years ago or something <laughs> that I found somewhere that sometimes I still wear to conventions just because I, I kind of wear it like as like, I always liked
1: Boba Fett. Yeah. You know? I was an OG Boba Fett fan. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause he's kind of become like just everyone. Who, who doesn't like Boba Fett? You know, he's so cool. Yeah. But I just remember at the time there he is. And then the, the funny thing about Boba Fett too, since I'm talking about this in action figure context so much is you know, the myth of the shooting rocket Boba Fett, mm-hmm. where like that was never the shooting. The He has the rocket on his back and there was supposed to be an action figure that could shoot it out. But the urban legend was, is that, you know, some kids I got out, so they called it off. So there's only a few of them. But the actual thing is, is that that one was never even released. They think they only made six of them and they're only in prototype form. okay. And, Steve Sansweet the guy who has that crazy giant Skywalker what's his thing called it's not Skywalker Ranch that's where George Lucas lives he has a huge collection of all Star Wars memorabilia and he has one of them but those were all just prototype things Uh, they never did one that could shoot but for some reason it's so weird to me that even back then pre-internet we're talking about one that would shoot out so how did they know that existed isn't that weird?
1: It was right on the cusp of, like, action figure technology when they started adding in the projectiles and stuff. Yeah. And I guess, I I, I know it's urban legend, but I guess that hyped it up. is like, oh, a kid got his eye shot out by it. It must be super cool. I mean, that's totally Boba Fett.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is. I'll tell you what. I was right on the cusp of that era. I was also a big Battlestar Galactica fan, and I had the Battlestar Galactica toys and the Viper was the good guy's ship. Yep. And it, it would shoot projectiles out of it. It would shoot projectiles. But then when I got the Cylon ship, it had been made so that they just popped out. They didn't shoot. They were restricted. Yep. And I was so mad that they didn't shoot, and the ones <laughs> from the other ones did. I was so mad. But it was obviously done because some kid had probably shot his eye out. But I was so mad. I was like, the Cylon, what does it shoot? I'm so mad. And it was, it you know what the funny thing was is that I was a kid, so I didn't know what to do at the time, but I guarantee you they just put probably put a little blocker in there, like a washer, so it didn't come out anymore. So I probably could have taken the thing apart and made them shoot if I wanted
1: to. I'm of the generation that grew up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures. And they had projectiles, but it was all like rounded pizza shapes. So I guess that was like their safety protocol is like, we can have projectiles, but they have to be pizza shaped so they don't
0: hurt somebody too bad. <laughs> yeah, don't get us started on lawn darts. Well, oh, different time. <laughs> so, yes, my number one pick has to be Boba Fett. I, I would be remiss for not putting Boba Fett on there just because, like I said, I'm looking at tons of Boba Fett action figures that I have. Oh wait, there's actually more. Uh oh. One I have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Oh, there's ten Boba Fett
1: in Fandom proven. I love it. But I, like, I'm with you. I love that he's getting his come up and and he's he's they sort of brought him back for being a, a like we're saying a B tier original trilogy character. He was sort of in the sidelines as cool as he was, but. Because he was so cool, like the fans had sort of given him a second life, and uh, it's awesome.
0: And I love Dave Filoni and John Favreau for giving him a second life and kind of redeeming him and making sure that is a Mandalorian, so he's a Mandalorian.
1: Yeah, no, he's, he's official. He's
0: authentic. Officially authentic, because they invented the foundling thing. So it's interesting to me that shows a little bit of them able to kind of wiggle around stuff that George said to make it make sense so i don't know how you can wiggle around han shooting first
1: (laughs) (laughs) no they did it a smart way they honored george's legacy saying mandalore is a thing but also here's a little loophole that makes it official
0: yeah exactly which is awesome so oh you know what i might be able to actually raise it to more collectibles than that because i actually do have his blaster gun
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but in the toy form it was it's hilarious i found it at a like a garage sale okay and there was it's it's like it's a very toy but it's probably one of those ones that if i really wanted to i could probably do the deal people do and paint it up to make it look like the one from the movie because uh, it's all green and orange and very toy like but i found it and i i bought it because it's boba fett's blaster. And of course, my kids were like, yay, thanks for buying this for us. And I'm like, this is kind of mine. But yeah, you guys can play with it. <laughs> and then when they were like, you know, they're teenagers now. So they start to like, like I said, they thankfully, they're not blowing the stuff up. But, yep. you know, they start to give away some of their toys and stuff because they don't want them anymore. It's a lot like the end of Toy Story that makes everyone cry. and mm-hmm. uh, You know, the old <laughs> kid gives up his stuff to the younger kids and stuff, but. When that thing came, like, when that thing, when they were going through the box and that thing was, I was like, yeah, give me my blaster. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You've had your fun with it, but I'm keeping this. This is, yes. this is a keepsake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, hilarious. Oh, my God. Such a nerd. The Star Star Wars is when, like, my nerd flag is, like, flying high.
1: That's what—that's the magic of Star Wars. That—that's why we're doing this whole thing—is just because it's so awesome and it's so foundational.
0: So it's morning time where we're recording this, and I smell a breakfast pizza, Mikey. Mine
1: has eggs, chorizo, and bacon on it.
0: All right, so our pizzas are here, and we've completed our list. So that means it's the end of the podcast, dun, dun, dun. Mikey. Your number one pick was the great R two D two, and I was like, "What was?" Uh, I know that his name comes from like literally a. Oh, shelf that had all these either reels of film or cartridges or something on there. They, it comes from the editing bay.
1: Yeah, it was like a, a cataloging system.
0: Yeah. yeah. It was R2-D2 was one of the ones, and George was like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's put this out here there, too. This has nothing to do with it. This is so tangential, <laughs> but this, I just, I just thought of this right now. Lightning strike in my head, George naming stuff. Yes. Darth Vader, a lot of people were like, oh, it was obvious that he was Luke's father because Vader is like German for father. Mm-hmm. That's not how he named it. He he wanted to call him Darth. It comes from Invader, like Darth the Invader, because he's, oh, okay. he's the one who boards the ship at the beginning of the thing. So he just took in off. So that's why Darth Vader, that's all that comes from. <laughs> People were reading too much into it.
1: But that's but that's serendipity that Vader is the German word for father, and that's like the whole twist yeah. of the movie. That's,
0: yeah. that's magic. It is magic, but still, that's <laughs> not where it came from. <laughs> it's so Darth, Darth
1: and Vader. yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Don't push up your nerd glass. You So this you can have a double nerd glass push-up. The one person can push up his nerd glasses and go, oh, it was obvious because Vader is German for fodder. And then you can push up your nerd glasses and go, actually, it comes from Invader. So once we're back in conventions, I will hear that debate.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: That's like a, you know, 11 p.m. in the lobby, you know, nerd convention debate right there.
1: Yeah, slamming down the gauntlet on the table being like, actually... No. <laughs> I'm going to settle this debate once and for all. It's invading.
0: (laughs) So let us know, everyone, who your original trilogy All-Star is. Yes. Do you think our way of doing it's dumb and you have to pick, like, Luke, Leia, Han, one of the big three? Let us know. You can send us a Gmail at at .com. com. We like to tell you to send it in a certain way. Mikey, how would you like them to send it this time?
1: Uh, I already did the hologram. I already did the the Gungan speak original trilogy. I want I want a coded bounty hunter Boba Fett sort of risk guard message that says, "Here's your net. Next task is to research the character that I love, and it's this person."
0: <laughs> yeah, send it in the form of a bounty.
1: Yes. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> we want to see a bounty poster with your character on it. Uh, you can also find us on all the social medias at Assuming Pod. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Mostly on Instagram. We have a lot of fun over there. And um, awesome want-
1: Photoshop that you should go check out because they're amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we want to thank you guys so much for listening. We've had really good numbers. So whoever you all are out there, because we just see the numbers, interact with us some so we know <laughs> that you're there. So hit us up on the socials. If you don't have an Instagram, make one just to talk to us. Or Facebook or whatever. And please, please, please keep telling your friends about it. We're having a lot of fun here. We're seeing a light at the end of the tunnel with all this pandemic nonsense. Yeah. So I've been vaxxed Mikey's in the process of getting back. So hopefully, hopefully, hopefully by the end of the year we'll be able to start hitting conventions again, seeing you guys out there and having so much fun, shaking hands, causing smiles, touching people. Oh, I can't wait.
1: Looking forward can't to wait. it.
0: I can't wait. So thank you guys so much. We also want to thank not Scott Productions for our equipment. That guy, Brad, for announcing Jazz are for Music. And we hope you guys have a wonderful week in a galaxy far, far away. Go watch the original trilogy any way you like it.
1: <laughs> we love you, and we hope that you reply back, I know. <laughs> <laughs>